Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, my friends. I'm your host and friend, Reverend Sharon McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created to just focus on the tenet that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All fairly so are welcome. And I just happen to be a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible that I just happened to find that somebody threw away and I started reading. So now I'm on my second copy. So I highly recommend it. Anyway, you can use any Bible you wish. 
And I'm, I have had many spiritual experiences and in gratitude for that. We have ongoing Bible readings every Sunday morning as we're making our way straight through the New Testament. And this morning we're on the first book in Ephesians. And we're just focused on being our real selves and carrying the message given to us. And we simply read out of the Bible and we pray each morning on Sunday at 11 Pacific Standard Time. Our opening prayer is the Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray for all Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom of worship and lives are in jeopardy. I've been reading this prayer every morning since way before things started happening in the Middle East. And I now I know that it's uh, for a good reason. I'm praying for everybody um, their lives have been taken for distorted and evil reasons, and we believe they have become martyrs. We pray for all those who are sick and suffering, and also suffering from violence here at home and abroad. We pray for those who are sick in mind and body, and those who are lonely and uncomforted. Forgive us our sin, and we help us protect each other and pray for each other, and we pray for those suffering from domestic violence. And we also pray for freedom of addiction of all kinds. And please, God, help us in every way. Help us to learn and grow and learn what we need to do to face this life ahead. And God, please send your mighty Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect all of us and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of our policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems of suffering all over the world. We thank you, God, for helping us. Amen. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care and learn what we need to learn to get through this world and to the next. And we also pray for everybody and their families. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want to wish anybody who has an anniversary or happy birthday today. Happy birthday. And uh, we want to wish you a very happy and blessed birthday and a very prosperous year ahead as we look on to the new year. I'm very happy about that because I think 2016 is going to be fabulous, not without ups and downs, but I think it's going to be amazing for all of us. And if you want to wish anybody specifically a happy birthday or special announcements, just let me know. Okay, then um, actually we we moved into uh, Ephesians this morning and reading our first book, so I'm going to start reading something about the introduction, but also if you don't have a Bible handy, you can go to www.biblegateway.com or my favorite, www.biblia.com, and that's where uh, I get our Bible resources if you don't have one there at home. And also the opening of music was by Save Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels by Save. I really love that group. If you want to order a copy, contact them at Save, S-A-V-A-E dot org. And they're also on Facebook, and I found out they do live shows. And you can listen to them anytime for free on YouTube. And I got this particular CD on Amazon. Okay, so I'm going to read the introduction of what's going on in Ephesians. It's actually called the Prison Epistles, and it's by the author Paul in the date 61. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon 
are sometimes referred to as the prison epistles, since all, they were all written during Paul's Roman imprisonment. And whether he was in prison once or twice in Rome is debated, but through two imprisonments seem to fit the facts better. During the first, Paul was kept in or near the barracks of the Praetorian Guard or in rental quarters at his own expense for two years. During this, which he wrote these epistles, he anticipated being released, and following his release, he made several trips. Uh, he wrote that in First Timothy and Titus. And then following his release, he made several trips, and he was rearrested and then was martyred. That's in Titus. These, then, are the first Roman imprisonment letters, whereas to Second Timothy is the second Roman imprisonment letter. And then it goes on to uh, the city of Ephesus itself. As Christianity was came first to the Ephesians with Aquila and Priscilla when Paul made a brief stop there on his second missionary journey. And on his third journey, he stayed in the city about three years, and the gospel spread throughout the Asia Minor. The city was in a commercial, political, and religious center, and the great temple of Artemis being there as a major trading center, it ranked with Alexandria and Antioch. After Paul, Timothy had charge of the church in Ephesus, and later the apostle John made the city his headquarters. Anyway, so this is the, I really do like Ephesians, so that's why it's so important that we go over a couple of these things. And the content says the great theme of this letter is God's eternal purpose to establish and complete his body, the church of Christ. In developing this theme, Paul discusses predestination, Christ's headship over the body, the church as a building and temple of God, the mystery of Christ and spiritual gifts, and the church as the bride of Christ. So I'm going to read a little uh, summary, and then we're going to go on. So turn your Bible to Ephesians in the first chapter. And right now I'm going to read the, well, Shmoop version. It's S-A-M-O-O-P version of what's going on in this book. And here it goes. It says, uh, hi, Paul. hi, my name is Paul. Paul here writing to some folks in the Christian church in Ephesus, which is part of modern-day Turkey. What up, y'all? So what should we talk about? Butterflies, trees? Nope. Let's talk about God. The Almighty is pretty awesome, says Paul. For starters, he gave the world Jesus. He also handpicked Christians to be faithful followers of JC and adopted them as kids. God also passed his grace and goodness and um, because Jesus died, God opened the door for everyone in the world to be redeemed and forgiven for all kinds of bad stuff. The big guy also let Christians in on all kinds of cool divine secrets. Jesus is the key to most of them. But he's also got some pretty nifty ideas for the future. And just who will reap these rewards? Why, the follower of Jesus, of course. They were the first ones to hear Jesus' message and believe in the truth. Nice job, early Christians. Okay. God is totally great, right? But the folks in Ephesians are pretty neat, too. Paul heard all about their amazing things they've done, and he hasn't stopped thanking God for putting such nice folks on earth here. Not even for one second, not even for uh, anything. Anyway, Paul's dedicated like that, and Paul has been praying that the Christians in Ephesians keep expanding their horizons and getting to know God a little bit every day. After all, God raised Jesus from the dead and then set all kinds of amazing things in motion. Right now, Jesus is hanging around up in heaven with God and sitting at God's right hand. And then he also gets to rule over everyone and everything. And then don't worry, though, Jesus will never let that power go to his head. So that's a, a cute but uh, informative version by www.shmoop.com. 
So get out your Bibles, and we're going to read directly from the Bible. We're on First Ephesians, Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesians and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace to God from our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. The position of the believers, chosen and sealed. Three, blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in, us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us to his adoption as sons through Jesus Christ himself, according to the kind of intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he beloved, freely and belovedly bestowed on his beloved. In him who he who have a redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention that he proposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven, and things on earth in him. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things out after the counsel of his will. Excuse me, hold on one second. Sorry about that. Okay, it's going to go on recording. Sorry, I don't know how to reset this time thing. So anyway, hang in there and... uh We'll continue, but it'll be on record, and you might not be able to hear it right now, but we're going to be able to uh, listen to it and archives. It might be able to keep it going. I just don't know how to do it. So anyway, okay, let's go back to Ephesians 11. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end, we who are first in hope in Christ will be able to praise his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him, the holy promise of the Spirit, who has given as a pledge our inheritance with a view to redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you in your love for all the saints. Do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give to you a spirit of wisdom, kind, and revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of our heart, your heart may be enlightened so that you will know that what is hope of his calling, that we are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, that's the first chapter. It's just so beautiful. Um, 
you know, it's uh, I'm glad we have notes and we have all this with it because um, this is so important, this whole chapter. So let's go back and read the notes of one. One one is saints, the holy ones, consecrated to God and sacred. All saint, all Christians are saints. These verses comprise one long, magnificent, magnificent sentence in a Greek text. In the heavenly places. In the heavenly places, the realm of heavenly possessions and experiences into which the Christian is brought because his association the risen Christ. And then chose us, election. God's choice of some individuals who would believe occurred before creation. For the for the person for the purpose those believers being holy. That's really stunning. If you went over and you kept, uh, if you kept, went over and over this and just just kept reading this to yourself, it means more every time you read it. God has determined beforehand that those who believe in Christ will be adopted into His family and conformed to His Son. It involves a choice on His part. It is done in love. It is based on the good pleasure of his perfect will and in its purpose to glorify God, but it does not relieve man of his responsibility to believe in the gospel in order to bring to pass personally God's predestination. Redemption. These ideas are involved in the doctrine of redemption, paying the ransom with the blood of Christ, removal of the curse of the law, three, release from the bond of sin into the freedom of grace, and redemption is always through his blood and through the death of Christ. And he's talking about the mysteries. Administration suitable to the fullness of the times, the plan, the arrangement, the millennium kingdom, the summing up of all things in Christ, and that God might head up everything in Christ and bring everything into harmony. You know, that's a beautiful day that we look forward to, but it's all working right now. That's why we should not give up hope because it's all happening now for us and on our behalf. And then when I stop here, and I'll give you a memory of a dream I had once that I went in a voting booth, and I had a choice to vote for God. And there was two different um, little white there was white stone, and then there was a black stone. I remember taking the white stone and voting for God. And I think that I that in that dream is when I I really in my soul made the decision. And I haven't been perfect since then, but it seems like all my paths have led to getting back to God and, and trying to bring his message and also bring myself into control as God helps me. Okay, so we have obtained inheritance. May be translated as we both made his inheritance. Both ideas are true. We are Christ's inheritance as he is ours. And the glory, his glory, the display of his character, and having also believed. The time of sealing coincides with the time of believing, sealed with the Holy Spirit. A seal indicates possession and security and the presence of the Holy Spirit. The seal is a believer's guarantee of the security of his salvation. And then further notes are, we're on 114 now, pledge. Deposit, down payment. The presence of the Spirit is God's pledge that our salvation will be consummated. And then 1 through 18, 19 of your heart. Heart is a scripture considered to be very center and core of life. Paul prayed that believers would know, one, the hope of God's calling, two, the riches of God's inheritance, which the saints are, and three, the great power of God displayed in Christ's resurrected and exaltation. At his right hand is a figure of a place of honor and sovereign power, and that's where Jesus sits, at the right hand of God. Rule and authority and power and dominion, these words in rabbinic thought of the time, 
describe different orders of angels. And now we're on one twenty-two twenty-three. the church, which is his body. The universal church to which every true believer belongs, regardless of social church affiliation, it is a spiritual organism entered by means of baptism in the spirit. Christ is the risen head of the church, and its members are subject to him. Local churches should be miniatures of the body of Christ. Though it is possible to have unbelieving members in local churches who are not, therefore members of the body of Christ. So that brings us to the end of that powerful chapter that to me is filled with meaning and messages for every Christian. And personally, I feel very good reading it. It's like it's got um, love and hope to me. And now let's see. I think I have a little story. I've got about 10 minutes. And uh, let's see here. So I'm looking for a little story to read. And this is our guidepost. So I found a little story, and we're going to read that. And I don't pick these ahead of time. I just pick them for, you know, this is uh, one of my beloved books. So anyway, this story is from Guidepost, The Girl Who Nobody Wanted. And it's by Stephanie Fast, and she's from Aloha, Oregon. After the end of the Korean War, I was conceived by the union of a Korean woman with an American soldier, probably in the city of Pershing, San. As a child of mixed blood, I was considered a non-person. I was abandoned about the age of four and began living on the streets. Many orphan, ch- open children, orphan children of mixed blood were killed. Others were picked off the streets and sent to America by adoption agencies. I wasn't. I learned to snatch morsels from food stalls, to be at butcher shops when they threw out the bones, to roast grasshoppers on, on gray straw. At night, I rolled myself into a straw mat and sleep under a bridge. I never dreamed of acceptance from adults. I was half-breed, a dirty Tuiji, an ugly reminder of an ugly war. Even other street children taunted me. They'd send me to steal food, reasoning that as a non-person, I wouldn't feel the pain of the beating if I got caught. Once I was tied to a water wheel and nearly drowned. Another time, I was thrown down an abandoned well. I screamed for help until I had no more voice and then watched as a patch of light at the top turned to darkness. I found a stone sticking out of the wall and sat there cold and numb. I wondered how long it would be before I was dead. Then I heard a voice of an old woman. Little girl, are you down there? After she hauled me out of the whale's bucket, with the whale's bucket, she hurried me into the barn and covered me with straw. Kind as she was, she didn't want to be seen keeping Etuji for fear of her neighbors would do to her. That's why she had waited until dark to help me. You sleep now, little girl, but before daylight, run into the mountains. If they find you tomorrow, they'll kill you. At dawn, I fled to the mountain cave and hid. That night, huddled alone, I peered out at the stars. Why am I so bad, I wondered. What, what, that people that would kill me? Why can't I be like other children who have a mommy and a daddy? I began going from village to village, thinking maybe my mom lives in one of them and will recognize me. One day, I went to the train station and stood on the platform, waiting until a train pulled in. People began spewing out of cars and forgetting all caution. I screwed among them, craning my neck, peering into the women's eyes so that one was my mother would recognize me. Any moment now, my mind raced. A woman's face will light up and she'll see me. My little girl, at last I found you. But no one stopped. Time after time, women brushed me out of their way path. Instead of lighting up, their eyes narrowed. I knew what they were thinking, Tuji. 
The platform emptied. Just a few American soldiers stood about. Maybe one of them was my daddy. I went to them. But none of the soldiers even saw the American in me. To them, I was just like all of the little beggars who filled the streets of Pusan. One of them gave me a chocolate bar, and I will that down. I was about seven when a cholera epidemic swept Korea. That day, I fainted in the street. When I woke up, I was on a mat in a bright room filled with children. A Swedish nurse brought me to the World Vision Orphanage in Taekwondo. I recovered, and I was soon strong enough to wash diapers and feed, help feed and care for the babies. One day, the nurse told me that an American couple was coming to adopt a baby boy. I took extra care with my boys to make them look appealing. We were out in the courtyard when they arrived, and a huge, huge people with pale faces like moons. The man came over and picked up one of my boys and lovingly stroked the baby's face. Then I watched him bliss disbelief as tears welled out of the man's eyes. I aimed closer to get a better look at this strange man. He placed the baby gently back in his basket and turned to me, then began to caress my face. My heart thumped wildly. His touch felt so good, but I never, ever had been touched except for beaten or kicked. Child of the streets, I slapped his hand away and spit on him and ran. The next day, his, his, the man and his wife returned. They talked to the nurse and pointed at me. Even though I was nearly nine, I weighed only 30 pounds. I had worms. My body was covered with scars. My hair curled with lice. I had a lazy eye that flopped around in socket. But David and Judy Merwin chose me. When I entered their house, I thought I had come to a palace. I was overwhelmed by their kindness and love. Patiently, painstakingly, they taught me English and helped me in my lessons at the American school. After a while, they took me back to America and provided the best home life, the best education. They gave me their all. I was living in a fairyland, yet I was not part of it. Deep down, I still felt like a toji. I learned early that Americans like it when you smile, so I did a lot of smiling. As a young teen in Rockport, Indiana, I made my many friends. Everyone loved the pleasant Korean girl who sang in the choir, taught Sunday school, and got academic awards. I smiled to please everyone because I never wanted to go back to the street life again. But deep down, the gnawing fear always lurked. If they only knew who I really am, they would hate me. My mother and father were disappointed when I insisted on bleaching my hair and buying deep blue contact lessons so I looked more American. My hair, orange hair looked strange, and I lived in a dark blue world. But I thought it was an improvement. I put up a pretty good front in public, but at home I became withdrawn and irritable. I had temper tantrums, and I spent a lot of time in my room brooding over the covers. I hated it, but the toji began to take over my life. When Mom questioned me, I clammed up. Mom and Dad never, never found out about my life as a street kid. I was convinced if they did, they'd shun me. One night after my mom confronted me about my sullenness, I ran to my room, so upset I didn't dare speak for, to her for fear I'd lash out and ruin everything. I looked in the mirror and behind the closet door of my bedroom. You haven't changed anything, I hissed at myself. You're still nothing but a dirty toad, you a piece of trash. I ran to my bed, buried myself under the covers, fully clothed. Now you've done it, I thought, cringing. Mom and Dad are probably wishing they'd taken a little boy. My bedroom door opened and my father called softly, Stephanie. I pulled the covers away from my face and looked at him. His face was grave. Oh, no, he's going to tell me they want me to leave. He sat in a chair by my bed and reached for my hand. Your mother and I want you to know that we love you very much. But you seem to have a hard time accepting that love. 
The time has come for us to release you to God, and you know the Bible. I won't have to tell you that God loves you. He fell silent and his jaw working as he groped for words. Finally, he said, think of Jesus, Stephanie. He walked in your shoes. He knows exactly how you feel. He's the only one who can help you. My father hugged me and left the room. For a long time, I lay there, turning over my mind what Dad had said about Jesus. He had was born of hard circumstances, straw was his blanket as it had been mine. He had to flee because, like me, some people wanted to kill him. For the first time in many years, I felt a strange sensation on my cheeks, tears. Deep inside me, something hard and cold had broken, something that God had been standing between me and the love of dear family of God. I wept for Jesus, who understood about love but had to die for us anyway. I wept for the girl who finally had been loved but still had chosen to listen to the voices that taunted her. I wept in relief, and Jesus knew all about me and still loved me. A sprout of self-worth started growing in me that afternoon. As my anger melted away, so did my sullenness and outbursts. I let my hair grow back to black naturally and threw away the blue contact lenses. And then one day I looked in the mirror and regarded my smiling face and said, God thinks you're beautiful, Stephanie, and so do I. Amen. Thank you for listening this morning. I wish and pray God bless you in every way as we work up to the new year. I have a feeling that 2016 is going to be a good year. We'll all have to work hard. We'll all have to pray hard, and we'll have to be working together. And then I pray, pray for all of you in your household that we have what it is that we need to learn and grow under Jesus' care and have our Heavenly Father in our hearts at all times to protect us. So let's do our closing prayer now. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Please come back next week and listen with your friends and family. In closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. You are never alone. I love you, and may your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Message me if you have any concerns or requests for prayers or need to discuss something. I love you so much. Bye-bye, friends, and happy trails to you. God bless you in every way. Remember, you're worth it. Love you. Amen.